This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. Hey, everyone. Guess what? I'm back. <laughs> oh, I know. You thought, oh, she's she's never coming back. I mean, what's the point of even subscribing to this fucking podcast? Why is it even in my fucking podcast app? I mean, I see it. It's always at the bottom of the list. It's, it's never being refreshed. There's never a new fucking show in the queue. Well, that is about to all change because after a more or less two-year hiatus, maybe even longer, I haven't really checked the dates, uh, I'm back. I'm back. And why am I back? Well, a couple of things. One of which is uh, I miss you. I miss this. I miss this rambling strangeness that is this podcast uh, I miss interviewing interesting people that have, you know, an interesting take on the world. And uh, and also, I have launched a Patreon page to support this podcast. More about that later. But that is my main reason for being back, because that is going to help me stay consistent. Consistency. It's the new white meat. I don't know what that means. (sighs) So if you are listening to this and you are a Patreon member, you're listening on Friday, June 22nd, because that is when I am posting now on Fridays. And if you are listening to this on your pod app, your podcast app, you're listening to it a week later because um, I'm giving my podcast Patreon supporters a little bit of a head start and also a bonus session of the podcast each week, which will consist of Q&A with me. So after this first podcast back, I will be asking you, my Patreon people, to email me your questions about, you know, the topics I talk about here, the people I interview here. Uh, so I can um, have some answers to give you or just make up a bunch of bullshit that will sound really smart, which is really all I'm doing anyway. (laughs) All right, so this week, uh, right now it's Tuesday, June 19th when I'm recording this, and this week is the end of the grief gauntlet for me. If you're familiar with my life and uh, some things about my life, you may know that starting on Mother's Day in May, actually the day or two before Mother's Day in May, uh, is the anniversary of my mother's death, and that was 21 years ago this year. So it goes all the way from Mother's Day, and then it goes past Father's Day and my birthday, which was last Friday and last Sunday, to the 22nd, which is the anniversary of my father's death, which will be 10 years this year, which is a bit insane. So the grief gauntlet is, uh, it's intense. And I didn't even realize it yesterday. I woke up and I was feeling really, really overwhelmed and just like weird, not in my body, 
uh, kind of frustrated with everything. I mean, never mind the fact that I was on hold with AT&T and Spectrum and had to deal with them for a bunch of hours on the phone. Um, you know, that's how my day started. So that didn't start well. But then I realized I laid down on the carpet in the living room and I was just, I just wanted to cry. And I'm like, what is going on with me? And then I was like, oh, and I felt my body and I felt that achy hollowness that grief is in one's body. And I was like, oh yeah, it's that week. Like, even though it's been 10 years, I can't pretend that I don't feel that grief, especially around the anniversary. It, it just comes up. And for me too, you know, the last few years, part of the reason, a lot of the reason I pulled back from doing this podcast and, and kind of doing a bunch of things out in public was to kind of reclaim my my personal relationship with my father. And so it's that's all up for me this week. And it's intense. Um, and... Uh, and yet it's part of life for so many of us. I know so many of you out there are around my age. Oh, by the way, I also just turned 55. As they say, double nickels, the speed limit. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that means. I mean, I know what it means, but you know what I mean. Um, so, yeah, just it's just a lot. It's a lot. And people our age, we, we're dealing with parents who are not doing as well as they were doing 10 years ago or are starting to show signs of something mentally or physically you know it's like the writing is on the walls some of you are walking through it right now taking care of parents who are going you know so it's it's just very intense it's very intense to step into this position of being the next generation, like the ones who are like, holy shit, <laughs> we're the grownups, you know, we're old enough to be grandparents. I have friends my age who are, who are grandparents, you know, they had kids young uh, and they're grandparents now. Um, it's just weird to be this age that we, for so long in our life, just seemed so far away, you know, when you... You worry about things like retirement. Oh my God, that's happened this year for me. This whole focus on the next 20 years of my life because in 20 years, I'm going to be 75 years old. How's that possible? I don't know. So dealing with that, dealing with all of that and... Um, but it's, it's all in a good place, you know, the whole thing with mom and dad. And it is what it is. And it's, it's startling. And it's weird. And there's a lot more adulting going on in my life these days, which I could do without. But I also like the benefits of adulting, like having a career and making money. <laughs> so there's that. Or trying to make money, as we all are. Uh, you know, so yeah, there's all that going on, but the journey with my dad is in a good place. And the reason I bring it up right now is because I've talked so much about it on this podcast over the years. It's been it's been a thing that has been forefront. My wrestling with it, my how to get out of the shadow of it, how to extricate myself from it all, 
how to be honorable, honoring of it, while at the same time be detached from it. And so it's just in a good place right now because in about, oh God, about five weeks from now, I think it is, the first week of August, uh, the National Comedy Center in Jamestown, New York will be opening. And they have my dad's archives and they have made a beautiful permanent exhibit about my dad's mind and the mind of a comedian and his career and his process and his his memorabilia and his archival items and uh, in a really, really special, unique way. The whole place is crazy, crazy, special, unique. Uh, if you live in the region of Jamestown, New York, which is way Western New York, Erie, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, like that regional area, you should come, come, come this August, come to the opening month. I'll be there the opening week with a lot of really cool people. And uh, we'll be celebrating the opening. And this has been a three-year adventure for me. So it's just very exciting. And so I feel like my dad's legacy is in, well, first of all, it's in excellent hands with the National Comedy Center. They are the real fucking deal. I would have never given my dad's stuff to them. Um, But, uh, you know, and we just, it's just, it's just good. It's all good. So that's exciting. And what's more exciting too, is that the week before, in the last week of July, I'll be at Chautauqua Institute, um, the Chautauqua Institution, which is right up the road, 20 minutes away from Jamestown. um, And I will be teaching there and I will be speaking and uh, got a chance last year to be at Chautauqua And it just rocked my world, changed my world, and it is now going to become a part of my summer every year, and I hope to speak or teach every year there. So this year I will be there during week five, um, which is the Ethics of Dissent, D-I-S-S-E-N-T, and I will be talking about the uh, befriending the inner voices of dissent. And if you've been following my work at all online, or what I've been up to lately, um, or participated in what I've been up to, you know that uh, a lot of my work is about helping people identify and recognize and be able to sit with and be with our inner voices that run us all day long and to help them shift from the ones that just fuck them up to ones to voices that are more positive and more supportive. And uh, so that's what I'm going to be doing at Chautauqua. But the extra twist is that I will be talking about the cultural voices of dissent and how when we own our inner dissenting voices, the ones that show up in democratic cultures and societies, um, ones that are uh, difficult to deal with but are necessary for a robust, vibrant democracy, If we can host those within us, the ones that we don't like, you know, like your inner deplorable or your inner libtard or your inner conservative or your inner progressive, like whatever the ones that are like you hate, like those hippie freaks that you hate or even the racists or whatever it is. I mean, whatever is your particular shadow, whatever you decide not to let into your consciousness, if we can learn to be inside of those voices and speak from them and own them and discover their perspectives and what they really want and need, um, then maybe we have a chance to be in real dialogue with each other in this country because, boy, do we need it. 
And that brings me up to the state of the world on this week. This week of, oh, I don't know how many weeks it is or months it is into this administration. Well, let's see. It's June. Uh, so it's 18 months in. We're about 18 months in, I guess. Hmm. And uh, it's just every week gets weirder and weirder and scarier and scarier. And uh, kind of the uh, phrase that everyone uses, you know, is like, this is not, this is not America. This is not the country I know. Um, really? <laughs> Have you been paying attention for the last 250 years? Because at times this is the country. This is our country. This is the country we know. And for some populations of this country, this has always been this country. Uh, for those of us who uh, are white and have economic privilege uh, and have the luxury of uh, having our rights not trampled on 24-7 um, and, you know, and, 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 and try to live in a world of, of equity and, and liberty and equality and all that stuff. You know, and I, I know, I, I get it. I get that it isn't what this country is based on. You know, this country is based on some pretty powerful ideals, ideals that still get me misty-eyed, ideals that still make my skin tingle, um, ideals that I believe are still worth fighting for. Um, but have we ever lived purely by those ideals in this country? No, they're ideals. They're, it's impossible to live by them purely. Um, that's what makes them ideals. That is the definition of an ideal. It is a North Star to aim towards. Um, and, and so when we're not even trying <laughs> to aim towards it, or when people think that they are aiming towards those ideals. So here's the tricky part. This is the part that really can fuck you up. It's the part that has you realize that I used to say this when when during the Bush Cheney years. I used to say in part of my Buddhist practice is sitting with people that I don't like and giving them unconditional regard as the Buddha would. And so I would sit with Dick Cheney and I would, I would know somewhere in my heart that he wakes up in the morning believing that the actions he is taking is making a better world. He believed that. Now, not everyone wants to make a better world, but I, I really did believe that at least Dick Cheney had some sort of uh, moral compass somewhere. Not all the time. I mean, I'm not saying he's some sort of like, you know thoroughly good human being or something like that. But he, you, you could read his moral compass in some way. It, was, it wasn't just greed. It wasn't pure greed. You know, he was a conservative. Uh, he was a neocon, right? I believe, if I understand that term correctly. Um, so, but these days, uh, this vision of America that, these leaders have, this president and this vice president and every single person he has in charge of a department, every secretary in the cabinet, uh, I don't know what their moral compass is. 
I'm not sure. And they're living in some sort of fantasy that wants to take us, I don't know, back to a time when, I don't know when, because I'm not quite sure whenever America was the thing that they describe. Uh, I guess, I don't, I really don't know. So it's difficult. It's, it's difficult because I, I am really trying to tap into this bodhisattva space where um, it recognizes that even the most evil person on earth, underneath all of that conditioning, because people don't come out of the womb evil, uh, they're, they're made to be greedy and evil and disconnected from their humanity um, by some torturing event I'm, I'm sure of. Um, unless they were just, they're wired as a sociopath. But most sociopaths are made, uh, and some some aren't. Some aren't. Some are some are born that way. But that's pretty rare. Uh, so underneath all of that, you know, what is their true nature? And looking into their true nature and trying to see if they really believe in something that's good. But it just, you know, there's a, a level of thinking that I, I've talked about here. You know, I talk about um, integral philosophy a lot on this podcast, too. And I'm actually hoping to get some of these integral guys back on my podcast. Uh, I've been listening to a, one in particular other podcast called The Daily Evolver that really helps me look at this quagmire, chaotic fuckfest of a nation right now through the integral lens. And it, and it does help settle me down a little bit. But really what we're seeing is we're seeing a uh, pure authoritarian personality, uh, narcissism, malignant narcissism, which operates in a very authoritarian way in their personal life. And now it's just extended to uh, <laughs> a public life that has real power Um and so we're seeing, you know, our version of like an emperor. That's really what we're seeing. Someone who, who rules through power and might and is being constrained by the demands of this republic and these delicate institutions that balance him, but barely. Because um, the other two institutions, uh, the Congress, the legislature branch and the judicial are trying to balance him, but... Um, you know, Congress isn't doing a very good job of it. And the judicial is up in the air. Certainly the Supreme Court uh, is, is up in the air. And then, of course, there's there's the fourth estate, uh, which is supposed to keep all of that in check, and that's being completely undermined. So, um, you know, it's, it's a weird time. Uh, <laughs> and... And so realizing that this nar malignant narcissist authoritarian personality is in charge helps me to understand the filter, um, but at the same time makes me really worry about how resilient all of, all of this is. And, uh, and it's shaken everyone to the core in some way. It's got to, even, even his backers, it's got to shake them in some way. I mean, even if they feel like they're getting everything they want, that's got to be weird for them because they haven't gotten that in like 50 years. <laughs> so that's got to shake them to the core on some level. 
And so I am, like many of us, overwhelmed, just overwhelmed by it all. First of all, I'm overwhelmed in my personal life right now because I've, (laughs) I don't know, I had this crazy idea that I'd be able to, I don't know, launch a Patreon page and launch a new business and write a speech for Chautauqua and organize two different workshops and redo, start doing my podcast again and teaching once a week with Unplug and all sorts of things. I mean, I'm just, I, all things that I want to be doing and all things I'm interested in doing, but I probably should have spread it out over like six months, maybe. I don't know. So I'm a little bit overwhelmed and very much overwhelmed by the news and the pace of things going on in the world. And what I have been talking about um, a lot this last year, I've been um, teaching on Sundays online. Uh, the class is now called Sunday Unplug. Once again, if you're interested, go to my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Kelly Carlin, and you can sign up to be a part of that. It's really been spectacular this last year. It has been just for me, a place to land every Sunday and a place for, I don't know, anywhere from 30 to 50 people to land on Sundays. And one of the things I've been talking about, and one of the things I talk about a lot there is mindsets and what it means to be willing to change your state of mind when you find yourself stuck in it. It's one of the biggest challenges of modern life because we get so sucked into our daily life, the daily grind, the pressures of needing to succeed, the pressures of raising a family, the pressures of making a living, the pressures of being a good citizen, the pressures of keeping our health up, the pressures of keeping up on all of our Netflix shows. (laughs) Just a lot of pressure. And uh, so I've been talking a lot about what it means. I mean, it's, it's why I started Unplug, because I needed a place to just set aside 90 minutes a week to just breathe. Come back to my body. Come back to my present moment, come back to the space I'm actually sitting in, come back to the view I have looking out the window at the sunlight dappling through the leaves, hearing the birds chirp and sing outside, feeling my butt on the chair, remembering that I'm a human being on an enormous planet filled with billions of other people and billions upon billions of other creatures hurling through space around a star And see, when you do that, when you let yourself go to that place, something shifts. 
something new is here now. Maybe it feels like more space. Maybe you're feeling the tiredness in your body for the first time today or in a week. (laughs) And I've been reading a lot about, you know, the neuroscience of meditation and mindfulness and unplugging from the fray and listening to different people talking about it and different teachers and learning the kind of the like what's happening in my brain to make this happen. And one of the things I've learned is this interesting way of talking about mindsets. And so there's a guy named Dr. Rick Hansen. I highly recommend him. He's got a bunch of videos on YouTube. So if you want to dig deeper into this stuff, he's great. And I've listened to a bunch of them and been sharing some of his stuff on the Unplug thing. And I thought it would be just be fun to share this today because I've been stuck in one of these modes. So he talks about these two different modes of living. He talks about the reactive stress mode, which is that flight, fight, or freeze mode. And it doesn't even have to like come from like a panic thing. It's just kind of what we're in when we're stressed out and we're in reaction to the world. So maybe you're, you know, fighting and you feel like you're like having to put like your hero costume on and like battle through the day and get through your goals and get through your email list and, um, you know, right now I'm enrolling clients and in new programs I'm creating. And so it's like, all right, who am I talking to today? And what am I doing? And kind of get myself all pumped up for that kind of thing. Or maybe it's like flight and you're into like anxiety and leaving your body or maybe depression or you're running towards vodka <laughs> or smoking too much weed or just watching way too much television or news even. Oh my God. Like, just like flying into fucking the chaos with it all. And then there's the freeze mode, which is just overwhelm and paralysis. That's the way I felt yesterday. Just I felt so overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't do anything. Everything I thought to do was like, oh, that's going to take too much time. I can't do that. I can't do that. And so I didn't start anything. Instead of just chipping away at like one little thing, knowing that once I get started, I'm okay. But that paralysis, we all get stuck in. And there's always some part of our life we're in paralysis about. You know, whether it's like dealing with our health or dealing with a relationship or dealing with money. Actually, now I think about it, those are the kind of the three big topics. And, uh, and we're like we are. We're all in paralysis around those things. Or maybe we're in paralysis about like, you know, some of like the more extent- existential things like, not even wanting to really look at, like, is my life meaningful or is this work meaningful or is this really what I want to be doing with my life? Is this the legacy I want to leave? Is this how I want to participate? Those kind of big questions, too. So that's all reactive stress mode. We're just like, we're surviving. It's pure survival mode. And it causes major wear and tear 
on your physical and mental being. It really does. Uh, it's, it's stress. It is what our stress looks like. And, but then there's this other mode of living. It's called response mode of living. Hmm. Response mode. And that mode happens when your body, your physiological body, is able to come to rest, to feel okay, and have no sense of deprivation. So it's not wanting anything. It's not running away from anything. It's not craving. It's not avoiding discomfort or the scary things or the uncomfortable things. It's not seeking pleasure. It's not even seeking goals. It's just here. It's not moving away from or toward anything. It's abiding in the moment and it's abiding with all things. Sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> but that is what you can do for yourself. You, like if you have one of those like breathe apps or one of those mindfulness apps, it can get you there for a few seconds. And if you're willing to commit to sitting 20 minutes a day, you will rewire your brain to be able to get to that place more often and even like with a conscious choice, like to choose to get there, to choose to stop, pause, and let go. <sighs> like right now, we could do it. Just right now. Just take a moment. Feel your body. Are you sitting? Are you standing? Look around you. Really look. Look at the colors. That helps to look at colors. To look at objects and really see them, like the car, the tree, the sign, the chair really see it, not just let it be something in your background. And then let yourself take a breath in and feel that breath going in and going out and feeling the sensation of it. Does it expand your chest or your abdomen? Can you feel coolness in your nasal passage and your throat? That space is a resting space. And in that space, if you practice it enough, you will find that you are okay. You're not wanting anything. And you're not resisting anything either. So when we don't feel safe or we don't feel satisfied or we don't feel connected, that's when we move into, into the drive state. That's when we're like, okay, I need to seek something. Ooh, I need to run away from something. Ooh, I need to find a way to connect to something. 
And we're, we're not getting our needs met in that moment. And so we go seeking needs getting met. And yet in any moment, we can actually connect to a sensation of our needs getting met. Because the bottom line is the body, if it has enough food and it has air to breathe and it's in a safe place, like you look around and there's no tigers or bears, um, it all of its needs are basically getting met. All the other stuff we stress over is all a construct of our civilization and society and our life that we've chosen to buy into. You know, sometimes it, it really helps to be the Unabomber. <laughs> that life in the cabin with the typewriter, you know, that's, could be a decent life. Could be. Except for all the blowing up part and all the, you know, killing people. That's not a good part. So this, this rest state, uh, Rick Hansen calls it the green zone, which I really like. I like that. I like the green zone. Makes me feel like a tree. I'm a tree. I'm a tree. I love being a tree. You can have that green zone, that resting state. You can decide to shift your mindset to that. At any moment in the day, you're actually in charge of it, believe it or not. And that's, that's the, that's the practice. That's the, that's the tough thing. You know, I mean, I, even I find that I, I'm not certainly perfect at any of this stuff or a champion or an expert. Um, I, I understand it. I know about it. I practice it the best I can. I don't always have a, uh, you know, a consistent sitting practice. But when I do, <laughs> my life is better. Shocking. Shocking how that works. It's like, you know, when you don't drink alcohol every night, you actually feel better during the day. <laughs> this is part of that adulting I was talking about earlier, you know, where it's like, Oh, I'm not just in survival mode trying to like placate my emotions or regulate my moods by like sugar or alcohol or manically feasting on social media or rage or terror, uh, whatever it is. You know, being a responsible adult and citizen, you do have to be engaged in the world for sure, but how you're engaged in it, how I'm engaged in it, really matters. It really matters to my body and my mind and my quality of life, how I choose to show up in the world and react to everything. Or more properly, as Rick Hansen would say, respond to everything. I was just thinking of the term first responders you know, and what they do. They, they do. They're trained to stay cool, calm, collected, centered amidst chaos. And maybe that's what the world is asking of us right now, all of us, is to become first responders. Firstly, in our own lives, in our own daily life, 
how to show up, cool, calm, collected, knowing what needs to be done in every moment. And then showing up in the public sphere that way too. Social media, out in public, at parties, at rallies, at protests. When you're communicating to people you don't agree with about something, how do we show up as responders and not reactors? I think this is a, this might be an important thing to think about. And the only way I know how to do that is through this conscious practice of finding my center, finding my cool calm, connecting to the space within me that knows how to just be and abide with what is. Being with what is, no matter how good, bad, beautiful, or ugly it is, is the practice. We can't just learn to be okay when things are going our way because most of the time something's not going our way. (laughs) I mean, you know, you hit every red light going home and at some point you have to just go, all right, I'll be home five minutes later than I would have been. Five minutes. Okay. And right now it's like, all right, this is the government we have. We need to show up be vocal citizens, vote, talk to our representatives, organize, have our voices heard, throw our bodies in the street when we need to. But we need to do it not from a place of victimhood, not from a place of revenge or rage, but as a responder. And yes, of course, this is always easier said than done. But at the same time, what else are we going to do? How else are we going to do this? Are we going to be stuck in fight, flight, and freeze? Or are we going to bring compassion and wisdom and clarity and real leadership to all of this, to our, even to our lives? Start there. What in your life needs cleaning up? What do you need to get real about? I've been getting real about my food and my body. And uh, I've lost eight pounds, nine pounds, somewhere around that. Because I'm not shoving and shoveling carbohydrates and sugar into my mouth like I've been for the last year. So there's always something we need to get real about. This adulting thing. Oy, I know. I know. I know. I get it. So I'm going to leave you with that. It's really great to be back. I am going to start lining up some guests. I'm excited about having some guests again. So the way this podcast will work going forward is some weeks it'll be me doing this. Other weeks I'll have a guest. But always, 
you will be here with me. And if you want to support this podcast in a real tangible way, there's a couple things you can do. You can go rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you do that thing. You can also go to my Patreon page and for two bucks a month, two bucks a month, I don't even know what that is a day. That's, that's almost nothing a day. That's less than 10 cents a day or yes, less than 10 cents a day. You can support this podcast. And with that, you will get to hear this podcast a couple of days after I record it. It'll be up on the Friday. And you will also get a bonus Q&A section every week where I will answer you, the listeners, questions about things. I don't know if I'll have any answers, but I, I, will, I will attempt them. I will attempt them. I will. I promise. And, uh, and you'll let me know by contributing that uh, you care, you support, you stand behind my work in the world. And that means the world to me. Because even though I'm sitting out in my studio in my house talking into a microphone by myself today, I don't do this just to entertain myself. (laughs) I do this to entertain, enrich, enhance, whatever the fuck it is we're doing here. But I do hope it has an impact and it's landing in someone's ears. So come on over, patreon.com forward slash Kelly Carlin. Support me there. And if you're interested in my Sunday Unplug, join us there at that level of pledge. I also now have a creativity support group for women. You can join me at that level if you're a lady. And uh, and I have a couple of slots open for some one-on-one coaching, mentoring, conversation, if that's something you need this month. All right, you guys. Have a great week. Uh, I want to thank all of my Patreon supporters. I want to thank Logan Heftel for supporting this podcast from day one and doing the editing and the producing and the music stuff. And, uh, and take a moment each day this week and find yourself, find your breath, support your work, support your, support your life, support your relationships by being present to them. All right, folks, have a good one. Talk to you next week. I want to be simple now, simple. I want to talk to people. I want to tell the truth. I want to ride beside a river like good people do. Take myself to 1344, 1554, 1990.
taken I don't care about what they say I don't care about any of it And I do want more Yes, I do want more And I don't care if you like my stuff I don't care if you like me I just want to get enough To get out of this And I just want to walk just once my way Is there anything sadder than a faded bumper sticker from an old election that was not even close? I think that there's not, cause you cared once and you still do. Now all I hear is everything is money's hard to make and it's easy to take it was easy to take it and i took the easy love because love is hard to find and when it's easy you had better save it and i took the long long road because i like the scenic ways i like the ups and downs and the price of the mistakes and i took the underground because i didn't like the sound of all the singing 